Aloha and welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to the Got Your Six podcast. This podcast brings together current service members and veteran high performers to share their methods, strategies, and ideas delivered in an informative and most importantly, actionable way that'll help you lead yourself and those around you from the battlefield to the border. Coming to you every episode, I'm your host, Tony Nash, and into the breach. Nothing mentioned on this podcast is an endorsement or opinion of the Department of Defense. I got your six, we got your back. Got your six, we got your back. Got your six, we got your back. I got your six. I don't know what you've been told. The views we have are all our own. Yes, we serve the DOD. But my opinions come from me. Yeah, I got your six, we got your back. I got your six, we got your back. I got your six, we got your back. I got your six. Sixers, this is, I would say, a serendipitous episode. Nijoni is here with me today. Not only is she the founder of Spark, the pop-up, which is a business consulting firm focused on leadership, but really it seeks to empower women as leaders, which I think we don't have a conversation enough about. So we're going to have that conversation here today. Thank you so much for being on the show today. Yeah, of course. Of course. So let's talk about the last big event of Spark. It blew everybody away, which I thought was awesome. Yeah, it was good. Um, My last spark was in Annapolis, which is kind of ironic because I live and work here at the Naval Academy. um, And I haven't done a spark here in the two and a half years that I've been here, but I've hosted two other sparks in between those. So I finally like built up the courage to do it here. And it was really, it was really good. It was centered on emotional intelligence. We had some veterans come in and talk about uh, veteran suicide very specifically. And we had another vet come in. She's actually in the reserves, the Navy reserves, um, about finding your purpose and really like what direction is the right direction for you. And, And sometimes that means, you know, taking things that you think are a little bit beneath you. And I think when I say beneath you, when, when we're transitioning veterans and in the, in the perspective that she was speaking in, um, she took an entry-level job working for the NFL, but her dream is to work in higher levels of the NFL, but she knows that she has to start somewhere. So she really took a huge pay cut, took a huge risk. Sometimes to get where you want to go, you have to kind of step down a little bit when you're transitioning. But is that your passion? And is that what you really want? Then that's that's sort of what you kind of have to do sometimes to make those sacrifices. So we had a really good turnout. Um, I like to keep my numbers low. So I, I like to do 30 and under um, just because it's, it's a better way to connect with people um, and really work that leadership, interactive, interpersonal relationship building Uh, which is kind of the point, I think, of what I try to get across in terms of leadership development. I mean, it is a relationship and it's how how do you connect with people? Um, You can't do that with like, you know, Tony Robbins, three million people in a room, right? So I really like that construct and and the event hosting is really where my heart is with, with Spark. So it was a really great time. And it says something too about leadership is surrounded by other leaders, right? You have to be vulnerable. And to do mm-hmm. that in more of a, a close net setting, like you said, provides that vulnerability to be in a little bit more intimacy for people to share openly as opposed to like in front of a stadium full of people. 
Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. It was interesting. I I work in three hour constructs when I do the workshops. And in that time, we were able to construct an environment where it's talking about emotional intelligence. uh, We went through some exercises and people were sharing some pretty personal things uh, with a group of people, you know, they had just met (laughs) like an hour before um, we split them up into groups and things. And so it, it is pretty interesting and cool what you can do with a room full of people with the right facilitation and just the right prompts and asking the right questions, honestly, uh, to get leaders to to pull things out of themselves. And speaking to that emotional intelligence piece, did that come from your time as like a midshipman at the Naval Academy? Or is it just something that's always kind of been around you and you've really been able to kind of tap into? You know, I'm not sure. I don't think it came from the Naval Academy, to be honest with you. I think it was something that was learned over time. Like it's taken a long time to, it it all comes with self-awareness, right? And you have to understand about yourself individually. So with me very specifically, what am I even feeling? Like what even brings me to this place? What sort of creativity makes me even want to do something like Spark? Um, And what does that mean that I have to give of myself? And and kind of like I said, at, at Spark Annapolis, you know, you can only meet others as deeply as you've met yourself. And so you you really have to dig deep. And I have had to dig deep in order to understand emotions and, and how I process them and how I receive them and how I give them back, right? Because that's a part of emotional intelligence is like intentions versus impact and how you reverberate off of people. Um, it's taking a lot of therapy. <laughs> it's taking a lot of talking, um, you know, to family and and resolving and processing past issues and things like that. It takes a lot of work. (laughs) It's just like when you go to the gym, right? Like you want to get stronger in an area. You're not only working on that primary movement, you're also doing a bunch of accessory work, mobility. You're, you know, the stuff you do outside of the gym, how you sleep, how you eat, all affects that. And that is a great analogy. And I've seen you kind of talk about that before when it comes to emotional intelligence. Absolutely. Where you are now with your emotional intelligence, like you, you said, it's something that you're always constantly working on. What are you working on now? Have you pulled from like, you know, something you read, seen recently to really kind of do another pass through of your emotional intelligence and assess? I want to say one of the bigger things I've been focusing on and, and maybe not just of reading. So I'm, an, I'm a teacher as well. I teach leadership, ironically, at the Naval Academy um, to freshmen. So the most special group of people that we have. Uh, I really love it. But the, the communication piece, I think, is a huge part of that. And it's a huge part of relationships, period. Right. Like I'm in a relationship and we we talk about communication often and how that impacts um, how we use words, right? And so I'm also in a doctoral program for executive leadership. And we, I just had a class uh, where we had to analyze leadership perspectives and theory. Um, and one of those theories that I analyzed in my in-depth paper was called discursive approaches to leadership. And it really does focus on that communication piece and how does language affect how we interact with people. And it suggests that leadership and the way that we communicate is a lived experience. And so it's it's alive, right? And it's ever evolving. And so therefore it should be something that we can teach and get better at, right? And so, you know, we go with our leaders are born, are they made? What can we do? Discursive approaches to leadership introduce an idea that we can develop that skill uh, through how we understand culture, how we understand people. When we bring diverse groups together, we're actually introducing a lot of friction uh, and then we can't just assume that a diverse is just going to automatically be good. Um, so it, it's been a lot of thinking and and crosstalk between a lot of my different communities of leadership. It's very 
interesting. Um, I eat, sleep, and breathe leadership. It's like, I think my students think I'm lying to them. And I'm like, no, I do this for a living. I do this on the side. <laughs> I do this for school. Like I do it everywhere. So I'm always thinking about it. And communication is just words and language and the, the how of it. I, I think about that a lot recently. What groups are you going to that you really kind of pull from that maybe you would not be interacting with or communicating with or sharing words if you weren't so passionate about leadership? Yeah, I wouldn't be doing this doctorate. That's for sure. Um, I never imagined, to be honest with you, I never imagined going back to school after the Naval Academy. That was already like a really rough, rough time through the ringer with STEM. But I wouldn't be talking to those groups specifically. And and we work in a cohort. So it's like a group of us kind of going through these classes together. And they're from all different types of walks of leadership. So, you know, I I have someone that's in the Peace Corps that's in my cohort. I have people that work in healthcare. I have people that work just across the spectrum. Um, And, you know, they're successful in their jobs already. And then they're, they're pursuing a higher degree. And so definitely a group of perspectives that I would not have seen, uh, especially when you're so immersed into the military, usually are just surrounded by those military perspectives. So I think that's a very specific group. And to be honest with you, midshipmen are another very abnormal group, unless you were like working at an academy or, you know, with an ROTC unit at a college, their perspectives are just so interesting and how they see the world. Uh, Sometimes it's funny, uh, but sometimes they have some really deep and valid points and it just kind of makes you think, you know, this is, these are 19, 20 year olds that I teach specifically. And so a lot to learn on all sides. Like you said, that different lived experience that we all share, we bring to the table when we do communicate. And how are you able to kind of reach people that you might like you might feel uncomfortable talking to? Because I know sometimes that that's hard, especially as leaders, you usually tend to generate or, you know, around the people that you feel comfortable with, but that's not always who you're leading. Yeah, there's a thing. So in the way that we teach our course at the Naval Academy and something that I've sort of tried to embody. um, So leadership being a relationship. And and I mentioned that to you before. Uh, But there are five ways that we build relationships with people, you know, trust, reciprocity, Uh, mutual enjoyment, shared experiences, and respect. And so when you can tag into one of those things, right, if you can find something that you can tap into uh, that gives you an in, it opens the door, you gain the foothold. The potential is unlimited, unlimited, right? And, you know, the students that I teach, we have a shared experience, right? The Naval Academy, that's my in to talk to these kids. But when you talk to people, you just have to figure something out. and, And that's a lot with, you know, when you make friends and it's, The same thing when you are, you know, going on a date and you're looking for something that you have in common. Like, what is that thing? Uh, I think there's a tendency to separate leadership and then there's everything else that we do. But leadership is interwoven into every single thing and all of these concepts and aspects. I can talk to you about leadership and how it relates literally to anything. Uh, And now I feel like you're going to go through your mind and like test me. But it it really does. It ties into it. And if you can build relationships, uh, you can probably lead people also. That's a great point, right? Like you said that in, and you can't force it, right? It's something that's got to be organic. So if you're trying to, you know, use some cool word that you saw, somebody saw on TikTok, it just doesn't resonate. It falls flat. The crowd, there's no reaction. There's no pop. It's just kind of like swinging a miss. And I'm not going to test you. We know each other too well to, to, to go back and forth on that. So what questions are you asking people? So say let's you're at a party or a cocktail, you're meeting somebody and you don't want to be like, what do you do? What do you, where do you work? Where are you from? Are there is like a specific set of questions that you kind of keep in the back of your mind that really force genuine conversation without being kind of like the humdrum 
like, you know, standard questions everyone always asks each other? So I have an unnatural tendency to ask people really personal questions right off the bat. And I think sometimes that takes people off guard, like they're not ready for that, especially in a very casual social setting. They're like, oh, you're going to ask me about the weather. If you ask them about like, what, what do you dream of in the future? Like when you close your eyes at night, like, what is your dream? Like, what do you see? And then people are like, whoa you know, I've never thought of it that way. Or, or you ask people, you know, what really gets you going? What's your passion? What are you passionate about? And sometimes people don't, they can't answer you. And it can be simple things, or at least to me, that's, those are simple things. I can ask deeper questions. You know, I have asked people off the bat, like, Hey, how have your experiences, you know, shaped the way that you do X, Y, Z. If I know something very basic about them, how, how have things that have happened to you before make you see the world? a lot of times people have not really thought about it that way and they'll have to sit and think with it. And then it's, it seems kind of backwards, right? Cause it's like, first you get to know someone and then you ask them a deep question. But when you ask them a deep question and then they sort of inadvertently give you a vulnerable answer, you have already cracked like five layers of relationship building with one question. And it, and it comes a lot with, I think, an energy that you bring to a conversation. I can't really explain what that is um, and how you get it, but it's about creating safe spaces for people to not feel judged, to feel safe that, you know, someone's not going to laugh at them. This happens in the classroom a lot too, right? To establish like that circle of trust and whatever it is, if it's a two person circle, which is not a thing, but it's a line. <laughs> <laughs> um, or, you know, you have like a three person thing, um, but it, it's about establishing kind of like that trust with people. And, and how do you do that? Do you do that with nonverbal communication, right? We come right back to communication. Do you do that with the way that you look at people with doing them a favor, um, helping them out with something, right? It, it's always something little that's going to give you really that really tiny foothold. That's all you need. And then you just got to have a good, a good deep question. And usually people are open books. There's so many layers I want to pull back on this. One, right, teaching with a mask on, it forces you to look at other nonverbal cues because usually, you know, facial expressions are it, but you're focusing on like the eyes, the body language. The eyebrows, they have like dead eyes a right. lot of times, my kids. I tell them that too. I will, I will tell them what I'm seeing. I probably am too transparent. That's another, that's like a huge personal leadership style that I have that people have different opinions on transparency, but I'm super, super transparent with them. And I'll tell them, I'm like, y'all, Mm, today's not happening and they'll just it's <laughs> it's difficult yeah and to go to that point of your personal style is like that's something you figure out and you can't force right mm -hmm. you're, you're constantly working and shaping that and knowing you when you ask those deep questions it's not like you just let it fall flat yeah you do let people sit with it but you're going to help guide them in that question and they might walk away knowing you know they wanted to go somewhere else and we you've seen it too right people want to go do great and wonderful things because that's where their crowd goes and they get there and they're like, How, why am I here? Right. And you're like, I wish somebody, anybody would have stopped me from going there. Yeah. Or, or simply ask you why. Yeah. Simply, nobody asked me why I wanted to do this. To me, that's wild. When we don't ask people those types of questions, like that's what makes people interesting. That's what makes them worth like knowing. And we, we're over here asking, you know, what's your favorite bar drink? I don't know. <laughs> exactly. So instead of asking people how their day is going or something, what do you usually at? How do you open up to like a classroom? With my classroom very specifically, I I do ask them how their day is going, but I 
you have to know your audience, right? So some of this is public speaking tips. I know my students really, really well. And so I know what's happening in their lives in terms of they got all this weird stuff they have to do inside of their, uh, inside of Bancroft Hall. And, but I'm tracking a lot of it. And so if they're sitting there giving me dead eyes, I'm like, okay, well, what about this, 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 and this? And we'll talk about football games. We'll talk about where they went on Liberty for their like four hours that they get because they're on lockdown all the time. You know, I just know specific things. And so you can ask the broad question, but you have to, if you know enough about the people or the person that you're talking to, you can also pull and ask them. And when you get to know, especially like your people and in a, in a military construct, um, or I would say even in a civilian construct, to be honest with you, it's not enough to be like, Hey, how's your wife, Cindy? Right? Like I know your kids names. That's not enough. Like you gotta, you gotta be able to pull like, Hey, you know, what, what did you do this weekend? Or can you even remember? Sometimes it's not possible, right? There's too many people, like way too many, but there's something that you can remember. And, and I have, I have students that, that I've had like two years ago. It was funny. One of them just sent me a text today and like, they were in a room with another student that I had. I just remembered this like funny story from class two years ago. And I was like, Oh yeah. Like ask so-and-so if they ever washed their blue and golds. Cause like we had made this joke about them like two years ago in class. And so you make people feel valued, right? When you remember specific things about them, or if you can remember like this is happening in their life and you can see them like light up. And this happens with Marines too. It's ha- it happens with all kinds of people. You can see them like, wow, like you, and it, maybe it's not so deep as like, you care about me, but it's like, oh, like you remembered this thing that's very specific to me and not broad or generalized. Um, but you can definitely get there if you just continue to, to kind of plug away with some of those, if you do start with broad questions, but you do eventually have to narrow it down. Right. And it continues to strengthen that. We'll call it the trust triangle as opposed to the <laughs> trust line. But getting to that point where you are now, there has been failure along the way. Because it's not all successes. What failure most resonates with you that, you know, constantly drives you or has really become like a great win on the back end as you look back? You know, I feel like this time at the Academy um, has been a second chance for me. A midshipman actually asked me this question a couple like MOS mixers ago. Um, This was like last year. MOS mixers for the audience? Military occupational specialty. So at school, all the Marines will like stand in a circle, basically. Um, and the midshipmen will get to ask us questions about our jobs and stuff because they don't know anything about it. They just know Marine and that they're scared of us. So they just come and talk to us and they ask us questions. And I had a midshipman ask me, you know, if you could change something. Right. And so I feel like that's kind of it's kind of in line with a failure that I feel like I had, but I feel like when I was in the fleet and I was younger, um, even at like the captain level, like junior captain level, I did not mentor as much as I could have. Um, I had young lieutenants um, that were, that were learning and I was a very iron fist. Like I knew my job really well. Like I ran a tight ship that all that kind of stuff. I was very proficient at my job. Objectively, I was very good, but subjectively, I don't think I did a good job with mentoring the people I could have been mentoring. We're really good with junior Marines, never had an issue with um, my enlisted personnel really. And like, I'm, I cannot replicate that anywhere, but I missed, I feel like I missed with my junior lieutenants um, and, and our new officers that came in. And I think about that still, ironically, there's a, there's a guy that I work with that was one of my lieutenants and um, he was not one of the people I feel like I failed with, but I, I have talked to him about it and I feel like I did. That was one of the biggest things I feel like I failed at as as an officer in terms of like our responsibility 
of giving back. I was so focused, right? So focused on the job and so focused on building credibility and a reputation that I didn't give as much as I could have. And so I, I say midshipmen are a second chance, right? Because it's, I, I just give them so much. Um, that's probably, it's a little bit of a guilt trip, I guess. And that sometimes that's good to kind of sit in that, right? And sit in that muck yeah. and be like, oh, like I missed this opportunity. I'm not going to miss this next one. Because I mean, when you were a midshipman, you were not only you know, a student in college, you did almost, I think, everything that the track and field program there does. Yeah. Javelin throw, triple shot, shot put, long jump, 100 meter hurdles, pentathlon. Like they ran out of records for you to break. Yeah. Well, I wasn't a record breaker, um, but my coach, I feel like uh, I was recruited to hurdle and triple jump. Uh, my coach was like, hey, you're not really, you know, super amazing, awesome at one thing, but you're pretty good at a whole bunch of different things. So you're going to do a, you're going to be a multis athlete. So I did the HEP and the Pent and that's a lot of events. Yeah, no, that is a lot. So we, we've kind of gone full circle, right? From emotional intelligence now to going back to where you didn't really have emotional intelligence and just that span of growth you've been yeah. able to achieve in not a relatively short time, but f- deliberate attention and self-awareness have propelled you. So then how are you better than yesterday? Better than yesterday. You know, I think anytime that I'm able to to go into work and and give energy to the mids is a is a day that I've been better. I feel I'm and I would be lying if I said every day I wake up and I'm like, well, I'm so excited. I'm so excited to talk to these midshipmen. I'm so excited to go to work. It is draining. It is tiring. Of all the units that I've been to, deployments that I've done, overseas tours, right? Like this is the most mentally fatiguing job that I've had. And um, it just feels like sometimes they're eating away at my soul because they're just (laughs) relentless and but we, you know, I still set up the meetings and sometimes I, and I'm not going to lie. So I, I think my students get really kind of weirded out because they're like, oh, you're totally an extrovert. Like, you know, I'm like, no, I'm a super introvert. Like I project, like I go home after I have teaching days and I have migraines because I spend the day projecting uh, for my classes and, you know, even doing Spark. It's so ironic. I, same thing with Sparks. Like I, I leave Sparks and I have huge migraines because I'm it's something that I really am passionate about and want to do, but I really have to extend myself. Um, and so sometimes I dread conversations, right? Like even five minutes before we jumped on this call, I was like, oh, why did I say yes? And, you know, but I'm fine once I get into it. Um, and today, even today, I had a meeting with a midshipman and I was kind of like, man, it's the end of the day and I'm tired. And, and, you know, they came in and we talked and we had a great conversation. And so I think anytime that I'm able to push through those feelings of like, I'm not, I don't know if I'm feeling it. Like maybe I need to cancel. Maybe I need to whatever. And some, a lot of times, I'll be honest, a lot of times I push through that. I know ne- I've never regretted it. So I think that that's what keeps me, keeps me better than the day before. What do you kind of use? Is there like a check you use inside? Like, Hey, I got to push through or a mantra. Or- it's probably just an eight ounce sugar-free Red Bull. I sometimes I just like, I'm going to make another coffee. <laughs> My kids know, my students know, they'll come into class. I teach first, second, and third, right, right on top of each other. Um, and then I have a break and then fifth period. But my, it's like it, my third period class and I'll ask them, I'm like, should I make a coffee? And they're like, yes, ma'am, you should. <laughs> so they know me and I'm like, all right, I'll be right back. I'm like, I'll run upstairs and make a coffee. Um, but sometimes it's just like just some good old caffeine and, and just, you just got to go, right? Because in the end, it, it's them that suffer. It's not me. I know that stuff that I'm teaching like the back of my hand, but if I can't give them a good conversation or 
applicable lesson to learn or just the chance to talk about stuff. You know, they don't really have a lot of opportunities to, to have their opinions heard. Right. Cause they're just freshmen. They don't know what they're talking about. So they will lose um, if I don't show up. So I have to show up. No, I absolutely love that. Right. Where, you know, it's about the organization and you know, like, Hey, I am part of this and I need to, like you said, push through. So I'm, I'm really just kind of taking what you said and re-saying it, which classic, (laughs) classic military. What they said is great, but I'm going to say it again. So I sound smart because I'm the last one who said it. Absolutely. Which is not true at all. Where are people going to find you, reach out to you, connect with you? So I have two Instagrams. One is for Spark, very specifically. So at Spark the Pop-Up, very simple. Um, And then I also have my personal Instagram, which is just at Nijoni, which is N-I-Z-H-O-N-L-I-I. You can basically find one through the other if you somehow search for me through different things. Sparkthepopup.com will take you to my website, um, which just gives you updates. Uh, I'll be honest, I am sort of on a hiatus right now from probably Spark events because I'm in a doctoral program. And so I think some of the the balancing issues of like discipline are coming in because I would love to do it all, but I'll probably have a nervous breakdown uh, if I try to do that. So, you know, I'm still going to try to keep producing content, but at the same time, I'm sure you know this too, as a podcaster, you just can't always continue to churn out the machine. Yeah. Um, but definitely, you know, I feel like spark the pop-up, uh, that Instagram will be the best way for people to stay in touch and, and what's new and going on. Najoni, thank you so much for being on the Gotcha Six podcast. Thank you for sharing your story, deep diving into emotional intelligence, and of course, having our six. Thank you thank so you. much. Sixers, thank you for listening to another episode of the Gotcha Six podcast. If you got something out of this, be a battle buddy. Share it with a friend, pass it along, tell them what you got out of it. If you're listening to us on Apple, make sure you give us a five-star review. Or if you don't, like what we're doing, let us know. How can we get better? We're always here to adapt and evolve as this podcast continues to grow. And if you're listening on Spotify, hit that follow button and you'll never miss an episode when we drop new ones every Monday. I don't know what you've been told, Sixers. But the lawyers would like us to remind you that the views, opinions, and comments expressed on the Gotcha 6 podcast are solely those of the hosts or guests to include current and previous Department of Defense employees and should in no way be considered the opinions of or endorsements on behalf of the Department of Defense or any of its components, divisions, contractors, or other current and previous staff members.